All right, let's talk about the anointing again. The anointing. We're going to read uh, from Isaiah. First of all, we, we looked at the scripture last week. Isaiah 10, 27. And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing, this incredible anointing of God that he placed, whatever this power is that he places on your life, that, that he takes what you have and he expands it. Last week we learned that the anointing, one, one reason why the Lord wants to anoint you is to set you apart, to make you holy, to deem you as being holy. Uh, also, one of the reasons why you're going to be anointed is to protect your head. The shepherd anoints the, the head of the sheep because of all the, the parasites and the fleas and ticks and chiggers and all that stuff that, that uh, sheep can get into. If you can protect the head, the rest of the body will follow suit. And so the Lord wants to anoint you so that your mind is not infested with all the parasitic thoughts that the enemy wants to throw at you, that you can have the mind of Christ. And lastly, we talked about, if you remember, uh, you're anointed so that you can be made fat. Um, a lot of translations of the scripture says that the burden of, has been lifted and the yoke has been destroyed because you become so fat. The word there in Hebrew can mean oily or fat. And really, if you think about it, fat is kind of the same thing. Uh, if you, you, know, you put pressure and heat onto fat and condense it down, well, it's, you got oil right there in the pan to cook with. Uh, thus, you have bacon, right? <laughs> so when you, when you make bacon, you kind of see that take place. All the fat just kind of winds up rendering off. So when, when this anointing is not your gifts, we've got a lot of gifted people on this planet and a lot of gifted people within the church. And, and sometimes people operate in those gifts and we think, ooh, man, look at that anointing. Well, it's not necessarily anointed. But what the anointing does is it takes you and it expands you. It sets you apart, it protects your mind, and it expands you. It makes you that much more effective it can utilize your gifts and make your gifts even more effective. And, 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 uh, but the, one of the biggest things that it does is right here in the scripture. It, it lifts the burden from off of you, and it destroys the yoke that you're carrying. It doesn't mean that you're not going to face trouble in your life. It doesn't mean you're not going to face trials and tribulations in your life. But all of a sudden, it's not quite as burdensome. All of a sudden, that yoke just isn't as heavy. It, it's, there's nothing holding you back. And, and last week we talked about that the, the, the Lord's trying to make you greasy and fatty and, and slippery so that the enemy has no way of getting any type of foothold on your body or on your, on your person. So that, that no matter what weapon he throws against you, no matter what he, he causes to, to come into your way, you may feel the impact of it, but it's going to slide right off of you. And, and so thus, you want to walk in the anointing of God. You, you want to pray for the anointing of God. Now, we're going to talk about today uh, the ministry of the apothecary, what I'm going to call the ministry of the apothecary, and what that has to do with the anointing. And we're going to find out, we're going to read Genesis, starting with uh, uh, Genesis chapter 30, starting with verse 22. We're going to go through the 30, 33rd verse. Moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, now let me give you some uh, background here. The Lord is, is telling Moses how to conduct uh, the temple and the tabernacle worship. They basically had a mobile temple uh, while they were wandering around in the wilderness. And it was a series of tents and, and barriers that would be erected no matter where they camped out. And that's where they would do sacrifices. And oh, I would love for us to take time one day and, and do a, an in-depth study 
on the temple of Moses, or the tabernacle of Moses. It's actually very, very cool stuff that you can apply even to your life today. But one of the things that they had to do in order to make this temple holy was to create a holy anointing oil that would, uh, the Lord would use to purify all the elements, all the furniture, all the things that would be used in the temple, and purify the priests that would be conducting worship in that temple, in that mobile tabernacle. Uh, so, so it was all symbolic of what the Lord does on a spiritual level with us, right? So this is, this is kind of uh, the instruction that he gave to Moses about this anointing oil. Moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, also take for yourself quality spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much sweet-smelling cinnamon, 250 shekels, 250 shekels of sweet-smelling cane, 500 shekels of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hen of olive oil. And you shall make from these a holy anointing oil, an ointment compounded according to the art of the apothecary. It shall be a holy anointing oil. With it, you shall anoint the tabernacle of meeting and the ark of the testimony, the, ta the table and all its utensils, the lampstand and its utensils, and the altar of incense, so all the little areas of the, the tabernacle that they would, they would conduct a form of worship, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils and the laver and its base. You shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them must be holy. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them. And remember last week we said that Aaron was the first high priest uh, over Israel. That they may minister to me as priests. So if you're going to minister to God, any ministry you do, whether you're a preacher, whether, whether you just go and bless people in your, at your job, or whether, whether you look after your neighbors, whatever form of ministry you take, you're really not ministering to those people. You're really ministering to the Lord. And if you're going to minister to the Lord, then you've got to experience the anointing of God that he has prepared for you, okay? Verse 31, and you shall speak to the children of Israel saying, this shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on man's flesh. Now get this, flesh does not get a chance to get any of this glory. So in other words, to apply it to your life, whatever God's going to do in you, you don't get to take any credit for it. You don't get to glory in it. You don't get to bask in it. You don't get to, to, to boast in it. It's, it's going to be 100% God, and he's going to get all the glory. So your flesh doesn't get a chance. Your ego doesn't get a chance to, to get puffed up. Nor shall you make any other like it. You don't need to try to manufacture whatever it is that God wants to do with you. You just need to allow the Lord to do it the way he wants to do it, okay? Don't manufacture it according to its composition. It is holy and it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it or whoever puts any of it on an outsider shall be cut off from his people. In other words, look, this is very, what God is trying to get across is this stuff is very, very precious. And it's not just something that, that you want to take lightly. It's not just something, this whole concept of the anointing is not something that you just kind of play around with. But it's something that's very precious. It's something that he takes very serious. And it's actually uh, uh, to, to prepare us for ministry and for worship. And so the Lord gave specific instructions to Moses on how to put this anointing oil together. And he said, you're going to do it according to the art of the apothecary. In other words, you're going to call the apothecary and have him uh, manufacture this anointing oil. Now, what is an apothecary? It's basically a chemist. 
and more specifically, a chemist who uh, deals in perfumes and fragrances. Uh, matter of fact, the landfill across the street, if you've ever toured the landfill, don't call it a dump. You'll get Howard really upset. It's not a dump. It's a landfill, right? So, so if, if, uh, if you ever go tour the landfill, they've actually got an apothecary on staff. And he's like Bill Nye the science guy back there. He is like this, this mad chemist that's mixing this stuff up. And the one reason why, now I know that we've had little bouts here and there throughout the years that where, where yeah, we've had to deal with funk coming from the, the landfill, and, and then they, they remedy that. But one reason why you're not smelling stuff now is because this, this mad scientist apothecaries over there mixing stuff together and has created literally a, a, a natural biological perfume that gets sprayed out. Now, Howard, correct me if I'm wrong, but this stuff basically gets sprayed out. And you know what these, these little micro agents do? They eat stink. Like all the bacteria that floats in the air that stinks. Well, these, man, this guy's created this incredible potion formula that basically sprays out there and basically eats up all the stink, all the, all the nasty, smelly bacteria. I'm oversimplifying it all, but that's basically what he's done. So. Yes, it's, it's like a biological Febreze machine that's just constantly blowing over there. So, uh, so this is what the apothecary was to do. So look, I've got a specific way I want you to, to do this. Now, uh, I, Paul says this quite often. There's no just FYIs in the Bible. If something is laid out in the Bible, then there's something that you can draw from it. God's trying to show you some kind of a metaphor or some kind of a pattern as to how he operates or how his kingdom functions. Jesus did it all the time. He's like, oh, the kingdom of heaven, and it's, it's like a mustard seed. And then he'd give a lesson about a mustard seed. Or it's like, it's like a treasure hidden in a field. And, and he would explain the kingdom of God by something natural. Well, this is what God is trying to do, show us, is how he is the great apothecary, the great chemist of our life. And he'll use all kinds of things to produce the holy anointing oil that he's going to anoint your life with, anoint your ministry with, anoint your relationships with, uh, for you to be able to be set apart and be holy, for you to have your mind protected, for you to uh, be able to expand in your gifts and your impact and your footprint in the kingdom of God. And, and this is what he talked about. He said, he said, first of all, he said, you're going to get you some olive oil. Now, the very interesting thing about olive oil is this. Anyone ever been to Israel? Israel is one of my favorite places to go. One of these days, we're going to have to, like, schedule a gathering Israel Holy Land tour. That's good. Like, we, it's like a big, giant field trip. It's really fun. You're not, it's not a restful trip. You go over there, and you go nonstop to see as much as you can see. But it's so cool. And one of the things that they have, they got some of the biggest olives you'll ever see. And I love olives. Anyone else love, love olives? In here? I love olives. Let me give you a warning, though. Don't, like, when you see them, they're, oh, these are giant olives, and they look so fresh. Don't grab them and bite into them because they still got the pits in them, and you'll crack a tooth. And that pit, that heart, is extremely hard. It's like a rock right in the middle of that olive. They don't conveniently have it poked out with a little wedge of pimenta in there, okay, <laughs> or blue cheese or anything else. It's, it's the pit. Now, in order to get olive oil... This is the interesting thing. And start looking at the metaphor in this. In order to get olive oil, you're going to have to strip away the meat of the olive, the flesh of the olive. 
that part that we eat, you don't get any oil from. There's no anointing that can come from that flesh. So in other words, the anointing in your life is not going to come from any natural ability you have. It's not going to come from anything that you can think with your own mind, any game plan you can come up with. You're going to have to allow God to peel away your flesh and kill your ego and kill your own desires. And then he's got to get down to that heart. And in order to get the oil out of the heart, there's got to be a mass amount of pressure and crushing. If you ever go to the Garden of Gethsemane, they've got one of the original olive oil presses that dates back somewhere around the time of Christ. And it's a giant stone that they've hewn out this big, uh, almost like a bowl. And then they'll take another big boulder on top of that, and they would throw all these olive hearts into this giant bowl and start rolling that boulder around on it to crush it and to break it, to, to split it in half. And from that, oil begins to flow. From some of your most broken areas in your life, you'll find that you have the greatest flow of the anointing. When your heart sometimes is torn in two, that's when God begins to pour out some of the greatest things in you and from you. So the anointing actually starts from way deep within you, not your flesh, not within your own talent. The next thing he talks about is liquid myrrh. In other words, myrrh extract. It's a syrupy, super sweet, uh, super sugary uh, syrup that, that you can extract from the myrrh tree. But in order to get that extract, in order to get that sweetness and that gooey syrup, you're going to have to put it under intense pressure and heat. So there's some incredibly sweet blessings that you can experience once you go through some fire and pressure and heat in your life. Then the next thing he talks about is sweet-smelling cinnamon. Oh, that's, that's kind of self-explanatory. Who, who doesn't love the smell of cinnamon in here? Uh, smell, take one whiff of cinnamon, it's like Christmas all of a sudden, you know? Uh, someone, I heard somewhere on the radio that, I don't know what's wrong with this world. This Christmas season, Coke's coming out with cinnamon Coke. That is an abomination to all of mankind. I don't know what's up with that. Some things don't mix. But still, cinnamon. Cinnamon, why? It's a, it's, for our culture, we associate it with Christmas and all the wonderful, beautiful things that come along with that. And, and that's, there's going to be times that you are incredibly blessed, that you go through seasons of mass happiness, mass joy. Everything seems to be firing on all cylinders. Uh, that's going to be uh, a wonderful, wonderful time that you get to go through in life. But all you, you start seeing the pattern with this anointing. There's some sweetness in there. But that sweetness also comes with some bitterness and pain and, and hurt and, and uh, heat and pressure. The next thing is sweet-smelling cane. Uh, sweet-smelling cane. What, what they're actually referring to is Indian lemongrass. It's extremely aromatic. Boy, if you can smell it, it smells wonderful. If you take a bite of it, it's the, some of the most bitter stuff you can stick in your mouth. So some of the most wonderful sweet things that you can encounter will initially be when you first run into it and encounter it and taste it, it's going to be some of the most bitter stuff you've got to walk through. Yet out of it, there'll be some incredible, incredible sweetness that takes place. Lastly, lastly, the last ingredient was this, casea. Casea, it, it's, a, it's a natural sweetener, almost like, almost like stevia. 
You ever notice, any, anyone ever use stevia for anything? Especially like liquid stevia, like for tea or anything? Does actually does a really good job of naturally sweetening you know, your tea. Or, or if, you're, if you want to make some kind of sweet and you're cutting back sugars, well, you can do it. You ever just put stevia on your, on your tongue? It really doesn't taste that good. <laughs> but when you start mixing it in with everything else, it's, it's actually quite, quite pleasant. Same thing with cassia. It's, 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 a, it's a form, it's, 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 it, we would compare it to modern-day stevia. Uh, it can be really bitter, but if it's mixed right, it's really, really sweet and very pleasant. So the Lord has this chemist taking all the stuff, and that's what God does, to, to create the anointing in your life. It comes from someplace deep, deep, deep within your heart, sometimes the most bruised areas of your psyche and of, of who you are. And he mixes it with all the beautiful blessings that he gives you. And he takes some of the bitterness that you experience and some of the bark from this tree and from this element and from this event in your life. And he blends it with all the sweetness and blessings and care and love and unconditional love that he pours on you. And the combination of it all, the Bible says, makes this incredible sweet aroma before the Lord. And he takes, that's why the grand weaver that he is of the tapestry of your life, you see one or two threads and you say, I don't like the colors. Lord, these colors clash and they're, they're, they're absolutely ugly. This is a, the most horrible time in my life. But God understands the whole tapestry. And he says, no, you only see one little part. If you can see it, it actually blends in perfectly with all this other decoration that I've got going on for you. He sees the grand picture of it. And so all of the sweet blessings and goodness and bitter, low, dark places of your life all combine together to become this incredible aroma of praise to the nostrils of God. Smells beautiful to him. Uh, just this week, uh, we were talking about this sermon uh, in one of our little pastoral meetings, and Kate actually brought me, I wish I would have brought it today, but it, it's, it's at work. It's, uh, she got it when she was in the Holy Lands, and it's actually a container of all of these elements, uh, just kind of a dried version of all of these elements, all within the small little container, and it smells absolutely wonderful. Matter of fact, you said you bought it like 15 years ago. For 22 shekels, it still has the, has the price tag on it. I asked her if she's ever opened it. She goes, no, it's still sealed. So I went ahead and opened it, and it still smells absolutely incredible. And I thought, man, inside this little container is some sweet elements and some foul, bitter elements. But man, they sure combine into something absolutely extraordinary. So whatever it is you're going through today, if you're going through an incredible blessed time in your life, awesome. He's going to use it. If you're going through one of the hardest, most difficult challenges you may be facing, awesome. He's going to use it. Why? Because it all joins together to become part of the anointing that he's going to pour over your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 tells us that our bodies are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. So how is he going to make the temple holy, just like he did back in the Old Testament? He's going to create an absolutely incredible aromatic anointing that's going to pour all over your life. That's why you can stand up to say, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what comes my way. Whatever my lot is, you've taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Why? Because you're using all things, all things for good because I love you, Lord. And so no matter what comes through my life, you're going to use it. You're going to use it. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, 
And we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Psalm 56, 8, such a sweet verse says, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle and you have recorded each one in your book. Do you realize that God has a record of every single tear you've ever shed? And, he, and, and David metaphorically said, hey, you collect them in a bottle. Why is he collecting your tears? Because he needs them. Why? Because he's about to make an incredible anointing for you to walk through. Have you ever, you ever seen somebody who is so powerful in the Lord and they walk in with a presence? If you've ever had a meeting with Tilly Bergen over at uh, Mission Arlington, how old is she now? 80, 83 years old. This woman walks into the office. And, she, and if, she's, if she calls a meeting with you, it's not going to be any more than 10 minutes. 10 minutes, she's done. Meeting's over with. And she is efficient. And she's on to the next thing. And, and this is how she calls a meeting with you. This is how Miss Tilly calls a meeting. She shows up out of nowhere, and you're like, Miss Tilly's here. And you go over to give her a hug, and she like looks you up and down, and she says, I'll meet with you this Thursday at 10 o'clock. Yes, ma'am. So you show up at 10 o'clock. And then when she walks in, something walks in with her. And she's just this humble little 83-year-old woman. But there's a rich, deep anointing that walks in with her. And it would be really easy for me to say, Lord, I want that kind of anointing. But I know what far too well, I don't know if I want that kind of anointing. Because there's some incredible blessings that she's gone through. But there's some low, low valleys and some deep heartaches she's had to face in order to walk with that kind of anointing in her life. Woo! Man, you ever seen someone think, man, if I could just be anointed like that, careful. Just worry about your own anointing. Because <laughs> trust me, it's going to be challenging enough. I wrote this, uh, I, I, wrote, I, I wrote these notes almost two months ago, this next part, jotted it down. Uh, the Lord had me stumble across it. And I had, for, for me, it was extremely prophetic because uh, I thought, Lord, you've, you've prepared so much for me in, in, in this time of my life. But it, I want you to understand this. Your calling and your anointing is going to crush you. That's just the way it is. If you're called to mend the brokenhearted, you're going to wrestle with brokenheartedness. If you're called to prophesy, you're going to struggle to control your mouth. If you're called to lay hands on people and pray for healing, you're going to battle spiritual viruses. If you're called to preach and to teach the gospel, you're going to be sifted for wisdom that anoints your message. If you're called to empower, your self-esteem will be attacked. Your successes will be hard fought. Your calling and anointing will come up with cups, thorns, and siftings that are necessary for your mantle to be authentic, humble, and powerful. Your crushing won't be easy because your assignment's not easy. Your oil is not cheap. Whatever anointing you're supposed to walk through, you cherish it, you relish it. It's a beautiful gift from God. Why? Because it costs you a lot. It costs you a lot. And the deeper the sorrow, the greater impact you're going to wind up having. It's just the way that I found God to work. Say, well, I've been through some rough stuff in life. Well, man, you've got the potential to do something fantastic in the kingdom of God. Let's all stand.